Filmmaker Commentary, episode 69. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we give you insights from our favorite filmmaking commentaries. These commentaries can be heard on your DVD and Blu-rays of your favorite movies. We'll show you how you can use these commentaries and apply them to improve your video production and filmmaking techniques. All of this here on Filmmaker Commentary. I'm your host, Reginald Titus Jr. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with... KCG Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, directed and written by Shane Black, produced by our guy Joel Silver, man, uh, music composed by John Ottman. The film was released October 21st, 2005. We have a budget of $15 million, that's estimated. Uh, we got a box office domestic of $4.2 million. And a foreign box office of eleven point five million, which gives it a worldwide fifteen point seven million. Yikes! <laughs> That's an L. Yeah, That's an L. Sorry, guys. I think again, this is one of those inst- instances where it would have been nice to see what the um, the home theater um, market looked like after the fact, because I think it, it may have potentially found more notoriety oh, I there. Got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one of those cult hits like, um, what's the guy? Like Donnie Darko and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Before we dive further into a Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, we're going to talk about news and movies watched. Um, from a news standpoint, uh, it seems that uh, Disney is officially just continuing to take over. They, uh, they now have the majority ownership in Hulu, oh. um, because once they oh. once the Fox acquisition went through, mm-hmm. that gave the majority ownership, and then Comcast agreed to just sell their portion to wow. to Disney. It was like I don't even want to deal with this. They're just yeah. So now it gives Disney a, a very interesting multiple strategy. Number mm-hmm. one, they they're going to have Disney Plus. Right. They'll have content there mm-hmm. that'll be quote unquote family friendly. But then they can utilize Hulu and that service and they can to revamp go for their, it a little bit. their darker stuff. Potentially can go through okay. through Hulu, so yeah, it's smart. But man, that's two fronts, and, and eventually I think they're gonna offer some kind of they should just dual own package. all entertainment, which I think they kind of do in a way. They're doing <laughs> their thing. Uh, also, the new movie uh, Hobbs and Shaw, as of the uh, release of this recording, is off to a strong start worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, over, I think, close to 150, maybe up to 180 million uh, worldwide okay. box office. Okay. So you know that that franchise. Uh, the spinoff of the Fast and Furious franchise doing well, mm-hmm. and of course you got you know the world's biggest star, The Rock, yeah, headlining. How's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood doing? Uh, I think it is doing okay. I think I don't think it toppled Lion King mm. last week, but Rainbow. Lion King is yeah, it's going to be open to to so many, mm-hmm. but critically critically acclaimed pretty pretty well. There there is some I think a little bit of pushback with uh, the character who's playing Bruce Lee. Oh really? Uh, and how kind of how that scene unfolds? I haven't seen the film yet. I, I want to okay. see it, but it's it's a long one. Uh, okay. But two and a half. Yeah, what's well, a Tarantino movie? So what, what do you we let him have? Whatever, just yeah. let him have it. But I definitely want to check it out. Yeah. Um, movies watch? Did you watch anything? Television movies? Yes, I did. So I'm always watching my show Euphoria again on HBO week after week. Continues to just surprise wonderful performances, acting, and writing. Also. Got caught up and finished The Boys, which we mentioned last week once again. Shout out to David Summons for this recommendation. Yes. Thank you, sir. And wow, I was just, (laughs) 
I was I was really taken. Spoiler with, alert. Why not? Just hey. <laughs> If this is your first time listening to Feeling like a Commentary, please know that throughout the show, there will be spoilers. spoilers. You've been forewarned. So The Boys, based on a graphic <laughs> novel by uh, writer, I believe, Garth Ennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a very adult take on the superhero genre. What happens when superheroes aren't all they're cracked up to be and all the collateral damage that happens? Uh, but also asking the question of, are they really good? Where do they come from? The Boys dives into all those different things. Mm-hmm. And who could actually stop them if they found out that they're not as good as we believe them to be right the boys tackle some very complex issues in the world and in parodies the superhero genre and honestly this dropping on amazon prime it's the perfect time because we're at kind of like this zenith in yeah. height of superhero films so what did you think reginald i know you had a chance to catch some episodes yeah, i saw the whole thing the whole thing the whole thing it's eight episodes about an hour each so i had to kind of paste that out sure um but i remember seeing the trailer two weeks ago right before david had mentioned it and i was like i put that on all right i'm gonna check that out one day but because he mentioned it i was like well i guess i gotta then you checked it out and mentioned and recommended it so i I had no choice i liked it i i get a seven out of ten all right seven out of ten only because it sometimes it seems like it 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 lags a little bit it feels a little like tv-ish sometimes sure and so um even though it's on tv (laughs) well like for example you got stranger things that's on netflix and it feels very cinematic Ah. uh in style uh whereas this feels like more like 30 minute wb kind of tv style not all the time sure but but there's moments moments where it's like okay let's get our day let's let's shoot to get our day but overall i dug it you know just the like the realness of how you know if you got those superpowers and you got the ego you're gonna take advantage of it oh yeah and and this is it just goes to dark places and, and the way it plays into corporations the fact yeah. that this is this corporation that runs the superheroes and when you find out where they come from and when you find out just the differences in the personalities one thing i really appreciate is that all the characters were layered yeah all of them have their own backstory nobody is necessarily cookie cutter them they're archetypes clearly a lot of these heroes are archetypes of of the justice league yeah. Uh, you have Homelander, who's clearly a Superman archetype. You have A Train, yeah. who was a Flash archetype. You have The Deep, who was an Aquaman archetype. <laughs> That's hilarious. The Deep. Right? The deep. <laughs> uh, you have um, oh, what's the the the, the Amazon? Zena? Like? No, it wasn't Zena. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but That's she's clearly a Wonder Woman. Amazing. It was what it is. So, yeah, something. Like, yeah, yeah. It's very. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> but she's clearly a Wonder Woman archetype. A guy. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, everybody carries these different archetypes. So here's an interesting Starlight. Mm-hmm. See, I'm trying to uh, maybe she's like a version of like maybe Star Girls. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure who she's an archetype for. But she's clearly the newest person coming in, and she's kind of a little bit of the audience. Now, I'll tell you this: from the comic book, they actually tone down some of the the violence that she faces. Like she only deals really? with the deep. Yeah, in the graphic novel, it's not just the deep who has her who performs that that rape. Uh, in essence, it is mm-hmm. it is like all the guys. Oh, dear Homelander, A Train, like they're all there uh, initiating her, and she wow, kind of gets a little horrible. bit of Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, she goes, she goes through it far worse in the, in the comics. So they tone some of that down. Wow, and they've also compressed because I think the series ran maybe thirty issues or so. They had to compress issues, not issues, aspects of the story to move it along quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I thought it was well done. I enjoy, I, I enjoyed the pr- production value. Yeah, uh, I really well. I was, I was like, okay, it was. Uh, Felt like they were smart with it, and there were some f- funny moments, man. When the, when the deep is is uh, trying to save the dolphin, <laughs> that just 
that cracked me up, man. <laughs> when he hits the brakes, the dolphin yep. flies through the window, and then I'm like, "Are you kidding mess. me, man?" The ending is a, is like I didn't. That one was a doozy. I'm like, season two, come on, yeah, for real. <laughs> Eight episodes, man. I I thought it it, it went by pretty uh pretty quick. I was like, oh man, this is done. It was a, it's a nice. I thought yeah, trim it worked, yeah. Because sometimes you know you get some of the Netflix ones, you can talk like twelve, you know, mm-hmm. episodes sometimes, or CW stuff which goes like twenty two, you know, hour or you know forty five fifty minute long episodes. It's a lot, but yeah. this was you jump in and again. Not for kids. At all. We can't make that clear enough. <laughs> this is not for kids. I mean, you do what you do. You parent yeah, how you parent. This, you yeah. know your kids. But um yeah, it's it's graphic, it doesn't uh doesn't hold doesn't hold back the voice. Wow. Also got a chance to catch a couple episodes of Comics and Cars Drinking Coffee. Comedians. Comedians. Comics. Getting coffee. Getting coffee. Uh the Seth Rogan episode and the Matthew Broderick episode. That's the ones I ah, nice, nice. I, I watched those as well. I went again, I just I ended up burning through the season. Didn't even realize it. I just kinda of had it on while I was doing some other things. I was like, Oh They're pretty quick. Done. They're like sixteen minutes, eighteen minutes. So when you watch a full hour of the boys and you just and these are just like nah, commercial break. Bite size for real. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the show. Again, it's just something about listening to comedians talk to each other, getting inside each other's thought process. I actually ended up going back and, and, and watching a couple other ones that I had started but just didn't finish because I was, I don't know, whatever reason I had to leave or whatever. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the show and uh, it's a, some good laughs and get, getting into the psychology. Oh, the mm. Jamie Foxx one, that was pretty good too. Yeah, he's always putting on the show though. Oh, like, man. you know, it seems like he's always performing. Like he's mm-hmm. got, he's gonna have some material ready. He's gonna do his thing for, for us, the audience. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. And it, it's it's very fascinating when Jerry is talking with with Jamie. Mm-hmm. Like Jerry doesn't get like starstruck often. Like Jerry, Jerry kind of he, he's like his godfather, you know, yeah. this comedic godfather, and kind of knows and understands a hierarchy who's on his level yeah you know who's up and coming's <laughs> on the way but he's a mentor in, in, in different aspects right. I, I, it's cool to see this this comedic hierarchy but very suddenly he's like is he like struck to me when he sees jamie fox like he like it was like you know very very complimentary i mean kind of compliments everybody but he seemed more so like with, with jamie i was like that's it was an interesting dynamic like just you're the guy you know this and that i'm like <laughs> Fascinating. This is very interesting, but uh, but yeah, Jamie. Man, Jamie's impression of Dave was dead on. Oh, I mean, yeah. Jamie's great at impressions, but right. what he did, Dave. I was like, <laughs> oh man, that's great. He said, Dave likes Dave likes throwing the, the the big words with the hood. You know, flabbergasted. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that show too. I think I watched I watched one more episode of Stranger Things, and then I also watched. Did you uh, finish Stranger Things? I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> Come uh, on, come on! I, I wanted to talk about a, a certain episode. I should have it. I should have it done. I should. I'll finish it this week. Yeah, I'll be able to wrap it up this week. And wrap then it up, B. What else? Then uh, watch the episode of Young Justice. I watched a couple episodes of uh, Went Old School X Men, the animated series season two. Uh, dove into that. Watched like eight episodes of that uh, yesterday while I was just working on other things. But yeah, that's been it, man. Haven't really dove into any major films of yet. Also, trailer wise, I watched the trailer for it. Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Oh, yeah, I did. I saw that, too. That looks violent. Scorsese. Yeah, par for the course. <laughs> like, man, how old is Scorsese? Like, he's, he's up He's up man, there, man. He's got, he loves that violence. Yeah. Like, man, come on. And there was a lot of I'm going to watch it, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it as well. And there was a lot of talk about, of course, you know, the money being spent to to make these these actors look younger, you know, oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. De Niro and, and Pesci. And, and, yeah, the very last clip of the trailer... 
you can really see it. I'm about to check it out again. I saw yeah. it on my phone, so I, ah. I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was specifically looking for it. I was looking for oh, the de-aging yeah? technology. Okay. When I saw it, I was like, yeah, so it's got that Uncanny Valley action mm-hmm. kind of kind of going, especially the last clip of it. You really, I don't know. But, um, uh, but yeah. They need to get with, uh, they should have gotten with, or maybe they did with David Fincher's company, you know, I, you know. What he did with uh, Brad Pitt, you know, making him older and younger Man. from Benjamin Button. Like, they Seriously. got the technology down. I'm, I'm assuming they probably did. Had to. Yeah, they got it down. So, there's that was years ago. So, mm-hmm. there's no reason why you, it shouldn't be spot on these days. We don't fit to be blowing up those budgets, though. <laughs> we just need one more tank. Just, uh, those, just, yeah. just another tank. I heard a quote from him today. Um, I do about seven takes, and then, and then we can begin. <laughs> no surprise there. <laughs> Get it done, David. God. All right, let's get back to the show. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, directed and written by Shane Black, uh, released on October 21st, 2005. Now let's get into the synopsis. A petty thief posing as an actor is brought to Los Angeles for an unlikely audition and finds himself in the middle of a murder investigation along with his high school dream girl and a detective who's been training him for his upcoming role in which he experienced a bad week in a tough town. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. That was a good synopsis. Oh, thank you. Yes. Found on the internet. Yes. Very good. Very good. When did you watch this film? How did you watch it this time? Did you do the watch the movie, then the commentary? How did you approach it? Um, so I'd heard about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang for a number of years uh, from um, uh, a lot of times I listened to when I was listening to Collider a lot. I, I would hear this dude Christian Harloff talk about it, mention it, you know, mm-hmm. hear it other places. And finally, I checked it out about a year ago and thought it was good. Honestly, I could not remember what happened in the film. I don't know why. I mean, it's still a, don't. It's pretty frantic. <laughs> <laughs> so I still don't. But so I definitely wanted to. I had to watch it again. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You know, even before even though I couldn't remember, I didn't have bad feelings about it. I was right. like, okay, let me check it out again. And uh, yeah, I dug watching it. Watching it again, it's 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 frenetic and it's it's you have flashbacks going on. Watched it again and then dove into dove into the commentary. Uh, me, I I was mixing this up for something else. There's a movie with Antonio Banderas called The Bank, The Big Bang. And it's also a detective film as well, but it's more like a film noir kind of like hard style. And that's what I thought this movie was when you kept bringing it up. Surprise. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) But it's also, you know, dealing with detectives and things like that. So it was like in that same kind of genre, but way different. This movie wasn't even on my radar. Outside of you mentioning it, I don't. Yeah, maybe in like floating, but I always thought it was the Antonio Banderas film. Ah. And uh, when you mentioned it was, you know, Robert Downey and Val Kilmer, like, what? I remember, like, in trying to catch this initially, I was, I was trying to find it on like streaming services, and it would like show up. And I, I remember it was on HBO like years back, and I was gonna, I was okay, I put it in my queue, I'm gonna come back and watch it. And then like, I got ready to watch it, it was gone. I was like, ah, it kept just like disappearing on me. I'm like, man. So, but <laughs> finally, I caught it on, I don't know where, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was good to to revisit. Yeah, the movie itself, I liked. Um like the scenes, like because Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kimmer, they're just good. They're great actors, and got great actresses in there. So it was like, I like the scenes, like just a different scenes, just for enjoying it purposes. Just like, oh, this is a good scene. It's just in, like we're just hanging out with these people. Yeah. But as a whole, I wasn't really feeling it as a whole, just because I was lost a couple of times. I'm like, man, what, what, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
I, th- I think it definitely it de- again the first time after watching I didn't remember I was like what did I what happens in this movie yeah. I, I literally could not I could not remember and that mm-hmm. was kind of frustrating I'm like why is he getting old what's going on right but now rewatching it I'm like okay so I, I actually I guess I felt I enjoyed it more now right. watching it uh, the second time mm-hmm. so this one might rewarn a second watch if you uh, have only seen it once there's, there you a, go. There's, a lot, there's a lot going on a whole lot going on what I didn't like was because they shooting the brothers in the face again. Oh, man. I thought about that really during the, the commentary. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, man, he kills two brothers. Yeah. And a Puerto Rican. Mm. Remember about that? Yeah. So I was like, again, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> How you treating the brothers? How you treating the brothers? Shane. Shane Black, you wrote it. How you treating the brothers, Shane? You got to bring it. Like, we're, we're nowhere to be found in the movie, like during just a regular movie. But out of nowhere, brother comes in. He's the bad guy. Gets shot by Robert Downey then later on another brother the disorderly yeah you know <laughs> Robert shoots him up shoots him in the face I'm like wow and they're like throwaway characters that's the thing I don't like is because they're just throwaway characters they're not really important they're just oh a bad black person let's shoot them throw them away mm. and then I think uh, towards the end and you got the Puerto Rican guy that Val Kimmer literally shoots through his pee pee hole in his pants shoots pin shot pin shot so I'm just like oh man that's too much that's too much that's it that's all I got. That's that's what I didn't like. Good shit. observations. Yes. Good observations. Yeah. I really. Again, it wasn't until listening to the commentary. I'm like, I just noticed. I'm like, hmm, one brother down, another brother down. Only brothers in the film. Third brother down. Because mm. that guy, that actor plays both. He plays like Puerto Rican and black. The guy towards the end. Yeah. That was torturing Robert. That's a tough toy. Yikes! <laughs> exactly. Yikes indeed. That's about it. Watch your back. <laughs> Watch your back, Shane Black. Man. But because um, what I did like, though, because it's like Hollywood background and you, you introduce into that world, it makes me actually want to watch the Tarantino movie a little bit more now because, uh, you know, yeah. that's in the world of Hollywood and old Hollywood and stuff like that. So, anyhow, that's what it. Because it's always interesting when they include Hollywood as a character into the film. Visual style. What do you think about the visual style? It goes. Um, it, the film looks good. A lot of uh, the Steadicam shots mm-hmm. throughout. And it goes back and forth. It has really, really, at times, really, really cool tones. Mm-hmm. And then it'll go, like, really warm. So it's, it's, it's well lit throughout. A lot of good backlighting in different scenes. But there's a lot, yeah, man, there's a lot of cool, cool tones. There's one scene in particular um, when initially, when Harold and Harmony are at the bar. Mm-hmm. It's very cool, initially. And then when you see them later on, uh, after they've, after you know, he realized that she's his old, his old childhood crush, and then they're they're both you know having the drink, and when she spits the the drink on him, it, it's really warm. Then all of a sudden, like like they've kind of warmed up to each other, mm. literally. And so, yeah, but there's quite a few scenes where it's very very cool, has a bluish tint going on. Um, yeah, how about you? Great lighting. It's like big budget lighting. Like when they're outside, it looks too good. Mm. When they're outside the cabin and they got the woods and it's like the little deer that's beside them and they're waiting for somebody to leave. And then when they I think that's when when they go to the car and then the lady dives over into the pond. It's like, this is is this a stage like mm. this is like over the top lighting. So it was just like big budget lighting. Everything's just perfect. It just seems real poppy. Shane Black specifically mentioned the, the mm-hmm. guy who did the lighting when, yeah. when in the initial flashback scene where RDJ and his his cohort a cohort are trying to rob the toy store and when RDJ is coming down the alley before he turns and goes up the steps to the audition mm-hmm. as he's coming down the alley 
the way it's lit, the backlighting, yeah. how it's like the 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 the, the yellows, whatever hues, and like and, and Shane Black specifically points that out and says how much how impressed he was. He says this looks like a like a high end lighting yeah. scenario. It really does. It looks like they had a lot more money because they said the estimated budget's fifteen million. It seemed like they had more lights, mm-hmm. <laughs> millions of dollars worth of lights. But um, yeah, those flashback scenes were like yellow in tone. Uh, they said desaturated, but it's not necessarily desaturated. It seemed like it was like a burnt cyan. Cyan the right color? I don't know. No, cyan's blue. Uh, I can't think of the name of the um, tone that I'm thinking about, but it's... Um, sepia? Yeah. In the movie Traffic, that look can be done in camera on the film through a process. Right. By skipping one of the process and making it look like... But it's baked in. You, it's not It's not a situation you do in post. It, you do it in, 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 uh, in the film stage. Mm. And that's how you process it. And that's, it's very dangerous because you can lose your film. Right, right. Yeah, th- in the movie mm. Traffic, the, the director does it in there. And I think just for the time period this was made in, in the early in the early two thousands, I think this kind of that kind of effect was was being used in multiple yeah. films. Because I'm assuming Traffic is is somewhere around that time mm-hmm. period when that came early two thousands or so. Yep. So makes sense. I mean, you're gonna have styles. and I'm still using film too. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, overall, uh, tone, dark comedy, action thriller i wasn't sure if i should be laughing or like you know is this like i was trying to hold on to a tone i was like okay am i supposed to laugh or is this supposed to be serious you feel when you see the body like fall you know it's like that's kind of like gross and tragic and but it's played as comedy you know things like that so i I was thrown off a little bit by the tone so yeah it's it's also a bit of it's it's a noir Mm -hmm. film as well it's it's, to me overall it's 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 a it's a noir dark comedy mm-hmm. because you have the you have the narration which is classic noir yeah, you're dealing with sure. detectives you're dealing with hollywood those are all common things that you will see in a noir film mm-hmm. but then it's this it's this dark comedy kind of lying under underneath it all and this was shane's directorial debut right no this wasn't shane black nah man this wasn't his directorial debut i don't think so it is Google let's time. look up mr shane black oh you know what you're right now, like I was saying, oh, <laughs> my bad. So since this was uh, uh, Shane Black's directorial debut, you know, I wonder, you know, how how is he going to get that tone right? Because, you know, in his writing, you know, he's great at the writing and things like that. But since this is his first film and things like that, you know, maybe maybe it was difficult to get a tone or maybe this is the tone he was going for. I don't know. But I personally felt like I couldn't dial into any of the tones or accept it for what for what it was like um like demolition man like we you just accept the world that we're in sure like this one i was trying to like should it be serious you know i couldn't i couldn't get it i couldn't dial in all the way even though i still was entertained by it right i was still entertained but i I was trying to dive into the story and i just you know what i'm just gonna have fun watching it Mm. yeah i i wonder what it'd be like to watch this in a theater yeah you know would that affect the overall feeling of it, the vibe of it, being with an audience and seeing how, how they react. Because sometimes people's reactions can affect you. Like people, people are, are laughing more right. at certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or if somebody else directed it. <laughs> like that. Well, that too. That too. Because so. I think with his other films, like this has the Shane Black uh, kind of stamp with the writing. Uh, like what Last Boy Scout or uh, Lethal Weapon. Like it, it has that stamp on it. But there's like a set tone in those films. You know, they 
kind of decide where where we're going to take it. I guess it's a struggle too being a writer director always. You know, as a and I think that's what makes like uh, directors like David Fincher just a little bit more powerful because they they're forced, of course, to know the material and things like that. But they're forced to kind of be in all right in the visual language. How how am I going to interpret this screenplay? Whereas it's coming. When you're writing it yourself, it's coming directly for you. Maybe you know, maybe it's a little different and more close to you when you when you're a writer director. Mm. Maybe it's a little bit more precious. Maybe, maybe. Just thought. You got any input on tone? Again, I could see where anybody watching would be like, "What? What is? What is? What is this?" Because mm-hmm. it's it's it goes back and forth quite a bit in quite suddenly. There's certain parts that are where some parts are played straight, but it's could be interpreted as, as being humorous. Again, you mm-hmm. mentioned that, that body dropping. Yeah, yeah, that could be seen as that. But then you have elements like in the flashback, initially when he's talking about Harmony's sister being molested by her father, mm-hmm. and then that kind of just, that information's given, but then we're like just moving right along. So there's some some really dark, tragic things that are taking place. Yeah, it just kind of then, breezes over it. Yeah, and then, boom, okay, it's the reality. You know, this is this is part of the exposition, and then boom, we're, we're, moving, we're moving along. I don't know. Yeah. Trope. <laughs> Tropes. <laughs> Um, again, flashbacks with narration. Yeah. Uh, again, classic noir trope. Again, it being a, a modern noir. Again, you're dealing with detectives. We're trying to figure out. You know, we have the we have dead bodies. Who did this? We're on the trail. Somebody's trying to trying to throw us off. Uh, has been callbacks to maybe like you know Chinatown and so many other noir films of of, mm-hmm. of the past. And again, there's an element of the Hollywood fairy tale when we see mm-hmm. kind of Harmony's story and in. Where she came from, where she was going, and the people that that lure and the promise of of fortune and and fame, even how Harold's character gets gets drawn in, uh, mm-hmm. kind of by accident, and then finds out that in the in the end he was he was flown out just to be a a, a negotiation piece so they could get uh, Colin Farrell uh, to get his <laughs> get his rate down. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just the the Hollywood. Fairy tale. Yeah, the only trope that I had was the uh, the book that stops the bullet. You know, we've seen that so many mm. times. Like somebody gets shot in the heart, and the thing that means something to some to them or somebody else gets hit. Oh, I've got another one. Mm-hmm. Is the um, the childhood crush? You know, the one that mm-hmm. got away. Yeah, uh, we we see that, or, or just even the the friend zone mm-hmm. kind of box where you know Hell's character was was in for. The longest. Um, do you have any themes? Yes, a couple of themes. Um, just a theme of classic was who done it. You know, in terms of trying to trying to trying to figure out um, the 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 mystery and the murder. Um, I the theme of like a, like a fairy, fairy tale ending. The fact that you know there's so many things that go bad throughout this, and these people should all you know in reality they all would have been dead. Yeah. Uh, Harmony would have died tragically in that in that van when that crash. I'm like, ain't no way in. She survived that crash. That was vicious. The front driver's side was crushed. And I'm like, she's just, I'm like, a concussion at least. Yeah. You know, nothing. She just, you know, zips on out. And also, again, there's a theme I had of, uh, again, the the one that got away. Those are some of the themes that I had. How about you, man? None. I mean, I couldn't. <laughs> I was lost. I was lost, man. I was just like, tight down. I, mean, I was like, man, I don't even know. You know, maybe fish out of water or, you know, yeah. some of those cliche ones. But, yeah, I was trying to hone in and I was just, man, I was lost. I was just like, I'm just going to watch it and listen to it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, just keep doing it. Yeah. What do you think about the commentary? Oof, I didn't. I did. Right. Val Kilmer was just too over the top. 
Uh, he, he, he got hijacks Robert Downey, the he got Val Kilmer and Shane Beck, three people on the commentary. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying? So it's not so much the number of people, it's it's the quality. Yeah. And I, I won't even say quality because Val Kilmer is very entertaining. Yeah. But he's not there to in, in, inform. He And he literally like is just doing bits throughout the whole commentary. There's some funny stuff there, but... This is also early two thousand. Like, man, this is this is it's rough, whoa, pre Me Too movement for sure. And and yeah, it's it's not very it's it's not all that informative. You know, they're 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 speaking to certain things, and every now and then Shane Black will kind of chime in. But there's so much joking happening; they're talking over each other. Yeah, uh, it's it's not the best. It's not a very good commentary. Yeah, so I wouldn't recommend it. No, no, yeah. wouldn't recommend it. Um, seems like they have like their own uh, vibe with each other. Mm-hmm. It seemed like they kind of found that and they were just had a good time doing it because they even joke about the movie not being a hit. They, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it'll be a hit in the depression, you know, <laughs> like saying little stuff like that. So I was like, they're good sports about it. And mm-hmm. most people probably wouldn't even want to do a commentary after the movie performed like it did. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Val Kimmer just had bits, just bits and bits. He was just going. Just It'd be interesting to see him do, do stand-up. Uh, oh, Val? yeah. That would be fascinating. He had just, just he was just going, going, going. But I, I would, I would be interesting here to hear a commentary with just Shane Black. I think, yeah. I think that would have been insightful and in, informative with just him. True. Yeah, because when it came to him, he's like, yeah, on this part, da 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 da. And then when the actors with the charisma start coming in, he's like, well, y'all just talk, then y'all just whatever. Yeah, yeah. But they were just, yeah, just hijacked it. Any quotes? Yes. Uh, one thing, I, I, the dialogue in this man, there's some there's some snappy, witty dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Val Kimmer in particular, his character uh, has some great, great one-liners. Uh, well, so one is uh, from Harmony. She says, "Did I just cut off your finger?" Like that's so unexpected when she slams the door and she's like, "Did I just cut off your finger?" Mm. And he's just like, "Ah," you know, you're like, "Wait, what just happened?" Side note: that same situation happened when I was at. Wally Collett and uh, I was a resident assistant mm-hmm. there's one guy he's probably about 6'3 six, 6'4 six, he had these real long fingers and we had these big just, our doors were humongous like they when they closed their clothes it, was, it felt like metal wood whatever to our dorms and I'm chilling in the little lobby area resident, resident assistant just whatever and uh, this guy comes down like my fingers <laughs> like his fingers are gone two of them and he's literally holding his fingers ooh and he, what he had did is he closed the door, and his fingers were so long that he was mad at somebody, you know. And he slammed the door before pulling his fingers back, and they got caught and slammed and crushed. I actually seen them, and I had to drive this guy to the hospital in <laughs> in my cousin's car, and uh, uh, the guys in the back seat because I have somebody else in the car, and he literally drops his fingers in the back seat. I was like, "Did you just drop your fingers?" <laughs> he drops his fingers in the back seat. <laughs> he had to have them in a the cup. Oh man, but it. Yeah, I've witnessed this, that exact smokes. situation. But they couldn't save the fingers. This this movie ain't real. Like they couldn't save them because like the the nerves they're too crushed and they can't uh, get them in time. It's not worth attaching them because it's you're basically like it's like having some nails or something. Like you won't be able to fill them, so they'll get in your way. Mm. So it's better just to have them off. Well, there you go. Side note. Reality, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> reality. When I saw that finger fall off, I was like, "Oh yeah, wow. that happened for real." That's wild when you have actual like points of reference yeah. to the rough stuff like that. Any qu- any other quotes on on your end? Oh, 
<laughs> when uh, Robert Downey, his character was at the L.A. party, and everybody was asking, like, what do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? Just super superficial. Um, and he's at the party, and, late, and the cute lady's like, what do you do for a living? He's like, I'm retired. I invented dice. <laughs> I had that same quote. Yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> I, invented dice, I invented dice when I was young, and so I'm retired. Like, wow. Like She's like, oh, okay. I'm going to talk to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Just walks along. Another quote I had was, it's from Val Kimmer. You know what it says in the dictionary under idiot? <laughs> right, you know, do you know what you'll find in the dictionary under the word idiot? What, my face? That's what Robert said. No, the description of the word idiot, which is what you are. Like, oh, man, he's just, he just goes Val in. Val good. I like yeah. Val Kilmer. Um, I can't remember the movie. It was an early 80s movie around weird science time. It was Genius something. Young Geniuses? Was that what it called? It was Young Geniuses? I think so. I remember that one. I was like, who is this guy? The song Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears oh, for Fears was man, one of the main yeah. songs in it. Heck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that as a kid. I, I, would, I used to love that film. Yeah. That he was, was so... Val Kilmer is... When he wants to be good, he is a, he's one of the best. Yeah. When he's on his game, Val Kilmer is the truth. Agreed. Um... This quote is when Robert Downey is talking. What's his character's name? Official. The name of the character uh, <laughs> is specifically Gay Perry. No, no, uh, not Val Kilmer. Uh, Robert Downey. What's his character's name? Uh, Harold Lockhart or Harry Lockhart. Harold Harry Lockhart. When Harry is t- talking to Harmony in the club, and he's like, "Just pre me too, guys." Um, just talking about women and what they should do, and this, 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 and like what LA is full of. And he said, "And everybody's complaining. My uncle put his ping ping in my papa." And they're like, <laughs> and in the commentary, they're kind of laughing about it, but it kind of pertains to Harmony because her sister went through that mm-hmm. and all that. And he, you know, kind of struck home. And you know, he's kind of making jokes about it. But what he said was funny, but it was serious at the same time. So it was mm-hmm. like, man, how do you handle that? line but it was a quote that was that stood out oh yeah and this character so just as an observation mm-hmm. rdj's character in this film is the exact opposite of tony stark <laughs> i mean they are True. polar True. opposite characters the only thing they have in common is that they're they look alike they look alike <laughs> and they're and then they can they can say witty banter yeah but other than that they are complete opposites yeah one is, you know, deadbeat, thief, and a dummy. Yeah, that's true. The other is a philanthropist, millionaire, playboy. Yeah. Interesting. Genius. Yeah, genius. On top of that. Yeah. 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 One go. is a consummate a hero, brave. The other is, yeah, semi, little, little cowardly. And still likable. That's the crazy yeah. part. Still likable, even though he's a thief. Yes. I, a womanizer. Steal stuff. Yeah, yeah, that, that too. Yeah. So this, this observation I wanted to throw out there before I forgot. Uh, the, the last line I had was once again from uh, from Val Kilmer when he says uh, after <laughs> after he accidentally shoots the the other brother in the in the face yeah. after uh, Harold, unbelievable. You know, trying to do roulette. That was kind of funny. Not that yeah, <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. But he says, um, you know, the the gun was the gun was. You had a live round in the gun. He was yeah. like, oh, I thought it was like a you know eight percent chance. <laughs> He's like, who taught you math? <laughs> who taught you math? Oh, man. Unbelievable. Uh, one of my quotes it was by Val Kilmer's character, and um, it was towards the end when he's the, I guess, was it the guy that molested Harmony's sister? He that vi- was their dad. So he goes visit their dad, the molester. He's in a 
old folks home. He goes up and just pimp slaps him twice. And then the old man's like, who are you? You're just some big, tough guy. <laughs> you know, if I could get up, you know, whatever. And then Val Kilmer's like, yeah, big, tough guy. I was like, whoa. The, the way he delivered it was just like, yeah, I know what you did. That's right. That's why you got pimp slapped up in That's here. That's right. Yeah, because they were there to bury Harmony's sister. They had gone back to their hometown. Ah. And so that I think that was actually that their house that they were in. Interesting. And so he had, so Val just took the liberty to go up there and pimp slap. Mm-hmm. Good for him. See, I was so lost. Didn't know what was going on. Didn't even know that was his house. Man, I don't even remember that scene from when I watched the movie the first. I was like, man, where's my head? I don't know why. It was so hard to remember. It's confusing. It was, that's why. I, I, I'm like, what? Well, it's got- almost like, I'm like, man, did I see this movie? But I know I did. <laughs> I've been wait- I had been waiting a long time, but it's, it did not stick in the databanks. Man. Mm, trivia. The song entitled Broken is written by and performed by Robert Downey Jr. Yes, it is. You can hear it at the end of the credits. It is. No surprise. So the um, bear, the animated bear character in the beer commercial that Harmony is in is actually voiced by Lawrence Fishburne. thought the bear sounded familiar. So there's some shots, like exterior shots, and it turns, because, um, was it Val? Maybe Val Kilmer Ashing Black. He's like, hey, why are these, you know, shots, why do they look like orange or whatever? Why do they have a filter on them? Yeah, why do they have a filter? And he's like, ah, because I was wondering the same thing, because it was like, it was too stylized, you know, to show regular L.A. But he said, yeah, stock footage. We had, to, we, we had to buy it. That's it. We, we had to buy it. That's how it came. So interesting a bit of, bit of trivia. So towards the end of the commentary, Shane Black specifically mentions to to uh, Robert Downey Jr. and to Val Kilmer that he'd, he'd love to work with him again mm-hmm. someday on his next project. Interesting enough, at least according to IMDb, Iron Man 3 would be Shane's next uh, movie that he directed, of course, starring Robert Downey Jr. You said it would have been? Has it been? What? There's been three Iron Man movies. Yeah. You said he would have. Did he direct that one? He did. Oh. (laughs) Shane Black, Iron Man 3. I didn't even know that. (laughs) Yes, sir. I was so used to Favreau. Yeah. So Favreau did the first two, and then Shane Black did did Iron Man 3. Yeah. But the the Iron Man movies came so fast. Yeah. You know, because we had two Iron Man movies even before the first Avengers movie. Right. And then before Avengers 2, we had Iron Man 3. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that's kind of dealing with more of the PTSD. And then a lot of people say that Iron Man 3 is they literally say it's a it's a, it's a good iron man it's a, it's a good shane black movie but some say it doesn't it doesn't seem to kind of quite fit within the mcu but they say it's a really? good shane black movie mm-hmm. why why do they say that did um, he write it did he write that did he write that screenplay um i no i wouldn't be surprised if he if he did there's a good chance of that that it did let's see here shane black uh see drew pierce and shane black <laughs> okay that's both uh Developed the screenplay. Your hands off the script. <laughs> so yes, it was two two of them that were on it. But uh, but yeah, it deals with the the the, the PTSD of what okay. Tony experienced in the first Avengers, basically going into space and almost dying, and then right. coming back to Earth. A lot of uh, Woody banter mm-hmm. in the film. Yeah, and it's it's pretty it's pretty self contained within Iron Man's universe. There's not like any cameos from any other Avengers or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. really Tony and and his world and some of the fault that comes from and at the end of the film he he basically spoiler alert decides to give up being Iron Man mm-hmm. like when you get to the spoiler. end of Iron Man 3 mm-hmm. yeah which yeah he's kind of said yeah, okay he tells Pepper that he's done who's the villain in Iron Man 3 uh, the villain is actually quote unquote the Mandrian uh, who was played by Sir Ben Kingsley but it really it's all an affront he's actually just a 
an, uh, an actor who's hired to, to play this role. Okay. Uh, which, interestingly enough, now with Marvel's announcements of, 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 of Shang-Chi, the real Mandarin is supposed to be making his his appearance, but going to be an enemy of, of Shang-Chi when the real Mandarin in the comics is, a, is an arch nemesis of, okay. of Iron Man. But, but yeah. Oh, and um, uh, Guy Pierce plays... I forget the character's name, but he's got he's kind of like the main villain. That's who he has to kind of go to blows with at the end. That's when Pepper actually steps up and okay. does some cool things. But there's some it's a it's a fun movie. Yeah, I've seen it. I just forgot so many Marvel movies. It's like I just remember the last two. And it might and that one made a billion. Iron Man three by itself made mm-hmm. a billion. I think it was the first. It solo. was getting momentum too. Oh, you know, like yeah, people just like let's do it. Let's do it again. Yes, sir. That any, was trivia. Yeah. Any more trivia? And that's all I got. Now it's time for filmmaker tips. Bling. <laughs> um, I do not have that many filmmaking tips. Uh, Robert said, "You know, use every block and opportunity as a way to see where you are energetically." And I think it was like they were shooting like four in the morning or, uh, or something like that, and they were kind of mentioning the blocking and what they do and don't like. So, uh, follow advice from Robert Downing. It seems like he's a, a actor that enjoys acting. Absolutely. And uh, Val Kimmer talks about that. He was like, um, he's saying uh, Robert's a generous actor. Mm-hmm. And mean, generous meaning like, um, uh, what's what's Harmony? What's the actress's name that plays? Is it Megan? It is Michelle Monohan, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Michelle Mich- Monohan. She says that Robert gave her permission to be good. So basically, he's willing to play with you. Like, all right, get get what you need, you know, uh, from me, and enjoys that process. And Val Kimmer says a lot of actors don't like that. Exactly. And again, that's not there. He's not the first actor I've heard say that. And multiple times in multiple junkets for the MCU films, the other actors have said that. Chris Chris Evans, Hemsworth, mm-hmm. everybody says that about Robert that he is a, an amazingly generous actor. Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. And working with him in the Spider-Man films, this is how just how generous uh, RDJ is with other actors, which is so that's so wonderful to to hear. And I, that was actually one of the, the tips that I had. You know, let your hire actors who who can help other actors by being mm-hmm. by being generous. Uh, also, I had a tip of you know, don't be afraid to have one just one good setup and, and mm-hmm. work one shot from one angle to save time. Uh, and there's a particular shot where it's Harold and Harmony where they're, they're, I think, walking down the, the uh, maybe the lobby of the hotel or something like that. And it's just, you know, it's just that single shot is the, mm-hmm. is the, is the coverage. And then they just, you know, went, went on to the next and just did that to save time. Which, again, for a first-time director, you know, that could be kind of scary. You kind of right. probably constantly think, oh, do I have enough coverage? Do I have enough coverage? But uh, I think that was, you know, wise with Shane Black, you know, being able to show, like I said, confidence in himself in that, okay, no, I think I've got, I've got what I need. Let's let's move on. Good stuff. Um, uh, I don't know if this is like true or whatever, but uh, Shane Black was saying, you know, grab your audience's attention every 28 minutes. Mm-hmm. At the time, you know, it's 2005. Maybe the attention may be a little bit different now. But he's saying every 20, 28 minutes, you know, make something happen <laughs> so you can just keep their attention going. Which, again, would totally make sense mm-hmm. because, again, our, our attention spans run short, especially now with, you know, with phones and mobile devices. You're getting people to stay engaged. And this film definitely has something, you know, every little while. The first 30 minutes or so is a lot of, you know, flashbacks. So you're kind of jumping back and forth. But there's always something that's, that's, that's happening. There's all kinds of twists and turns throughout. And there's, you know, surprise moments, whether it's RDJ, again, getting his fingers cut off, or the freaking dog 
you know, <laughs> grabbing his fingers out of the ice, his finger out of the ice, and then freaking eating yeah. it. Yeah. Like, what the heck? Too silly, man. Mm-hmm. Villains don't always have to make the film. Uh, Shane Black says he often likes to focus on the protagonist a lot. Uh, also, there was a bad guy missing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's just like, oh, again, it's, it's who done it. And when you, and again, I think a lot of times when you have noir films, mm-hmm. often at the end, it's usually not like a huge protagonist, or excuse me, antagonist. Mm-hmm. It, it's sometimes a, a misunderstanding, or it might be the person who hired the detective initially that they're mm-hmm. the culprit, or it's just, uh, no, this person just wanted to get away, and it's not as big of a conspiracy as you think, and it just kind of boils down maybe to something simple, which you know, this kind of boils down to a case of a girl trying to find who she believed was her father based upon a kind of a fantasy her sister had created, and yeah, finds out, thinks that incest is happening when it, it really, you know, isn't, and commits suicide. But yeah. um, uh, also, uh, if you can write the way that people actually talk, that, that can definitely help with dialogue, and Shane Black, I think, does a a good job of that there's mm-hmm. certain things in lines where lines will kind of be cut short or just kind of just end sporadically and that's how conversations happen sometimes they yeah. just will end abruptly and like oh okay that, that's it like there's there's a, a line where again when when Harold meets this uh, stewardess in the bar right before he, he he sees Harmony. Oh God! And like they they again, she's asking what what he does, and he mentions that's when he first says he's a detective. And she's like, okay, I'm gonna go talk to somebody else. And he's like, oh, that, that, that's it. She's like, yep. And then <laughs> they just go right along. L.A. man, just trying to see who can, how can you get up? You know, just going mm-hmm. straight. It's so weird. You know, ask people like, what do you do? What do you do? You can't help me. All right, I'm moving on. <laughs> yep, basically straight up. Uh, and then lastly, I, I had uh, let music cues use music cues for quick changes of right. scenes. Um, and there's that right after Harold finds out that Harmony actually did sleep with the one guy she says she wouldn't <laughs> sleep with, his best friend. <laughs> yeah, and he boots her out, and she's at the front lobby of the hotel. And pulling stuff out of her purse, and then she sees that one thing that sparks a thought that, oh wait, you know, was the girl who died, you know, wearing panties or whatever, her going through this these multiple emotions of being sad to aha to calling him to being rejected again, like the music. There's a musical cue kind of taking mm-hmm. the audience through that bevy of emotions. Mm-hmm. I didn't. We didn't write this one down. Do you have like any favorite scenes? I do. Yeah, I've got uh, several. Uh, one is the when the protocop actually goes into Harmony's apartment. You know, the drunk, the drunk oh, guy in yeah, the protocop the ro- costume, ro- and, she, <laughs> and she sees him with the badge. She's like, ah, he's like, ah, and he slips and falls and <laughs> goes over the ledge. This is so ridiculous. And then she is, she's just all prettied up for the camera, right? Literally like auditioning while she's talking about her story, and it works for her. She, she gets invited to a thing. Uh, one of the scene, I like the the introduction. You know, the when. Um, we see the kids, they're trying to saw the girl in half, and it's a real chainsaw. So he's like sawing her, and then she just yells, bloody murder. Mm-hmm. Like, ah! And then her dad runs up there and then opens up the cage and realizes, because I thought she was done for it. And then for he real? opens up the cage and she's just chilling. I'm going to be an actress. And he pimp slap her. He's like, what? So again, yeah, you know, <laughs> we're going. Go ahead. The seriousness of some kind of abuse against women just in, in general. Yeah. And then, you know, just kind of going right past it or, or it's kind of like just, just moving right along, you know, tucked yeah. in the humor. You know, it's, it's it's bad, but you're kind of left as an audience. You're left. You're left to process it, you yeah. know, uh, which is fascinating. It's like it's kind of leaving you to process that, you know, we're, we're moving along. That happened. We're moving along. And to tie in also that um, that's how the movie opened up and then it ends with a pimp slap. Oh, great, great observation. Yeah. Yeah. Slaps a girl, he gets, somebody slaps him. Two. 
Two for the road, buddy. There you go. And I like the intro, just the introduction, just like it kind of sets the tone of the film because it's an animation and it has like the kind of jazzy, I don't know, big band type music. I think it's a big band music. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not saying the right type of music. Uh, but it has a happy kind of carnival feel music playing. Yeah, the opening over. credits. Yeah. It, it feels like a, um, the opening credits remind me of like an 80s comedy. Mm-hmm. There's a made these comments that open up that they, like 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 a mannequin or something like that yeah, yeah, that yeah. open up that way with the credits moving around and mm-hmm. yeah. Um, oh, one of my favorite scenes is when Harold gets beat up on the lawn when he when he's <laughs> you know he's trying to do the shivers thing and, and be the be, he's trying to be the good guy right. when he sees the guy kind of you know filling up on on Harmony's legs and he's like just 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 walk away shut it down <laughs> shut it down you know or, you know you could we can go outside you know and you know make a decision. The guy's like, I will F you up. Make a decision. And the next thing you know, you cut to him getting his head just doom, doom, just slammed on the lawn. And kicked while Man. he's down. And I, I appreciated that fight scene for how unclean it was. You yeah. know, we're so used to just, you know, choreograph fight scenes. This is just like two normal Dirty. dudes. Yeah. I got one guy who can't fight at all, the other guy just doing whatever he wants to him. <laughs> it's like Make a decision. Yeah. That was that was I thought that was fantastic. The way that was done. I got two more. One uh-huh. is uh, when after Harold is is initially connecting with Harmony at the bar, mm-hmm. and they're just kind of finding you know something to connect with. And then you get that mean friend that comes up. Ah, yeah. And it's just like she's not really interested in you. Just doing that that whole thing. Yeah, you know. I mean, you know, there's a there's a there's another booth over there. It's for you know for cheese balls. Yada yada. yada. <laughs> and then finally, he's he's just like, you know, your mouth was good to put a sock in it. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Mean friend, yeah, you know, and he and he leaves, um, and then again, kind of mentioned before, but then gets the Russian roulette scene, you know, yeah. him, you know, just classic idiot move, putting one bullet in a gun, spinning it, and as an audience, you just know, like this is not gonna end yeah. well. Could do as bad, just bad karma, bad yeah. vibes, <sighs> losing, they got loser vibes. And one scene that I had, just you know, you try to suspend disbelief, but <laughs> the end of the movie, all right, him. Falling on top of the casket that oh. has the girl's body inside, and then him sliding off and holding on. The casket one falls hand. over the side of the highway onto mm-hmm. a highway sign. Mm-hmm. Which he is, does he jump over to land on the casket, or how does he end up on top of that casket? He jumped over to get away from some gunshots, right? From the car that Corbin Burnson was driving, trying mm-hmm. to run him over. Yeah. Oh, he that's jumps how he ended over, up on Yeah, side. and then falls over, lands on the casket, slides off the casket. And yeah. he's gonna fall to his, you know, death, death. or dis- or you know, disfiguration. Yeah. Uh, but he's able to grab onto the hand yeah. of the dead body inside the casket, and is dangling over the freeway, you know, thirty, forty feet up in the air, holding on, in essence, with one hand. Yeah, mind you, that the other hand has had its finger torn off twice. Yeah, and yet he's able to hold on, uh, <laughs> and then as the gun is sliding down. Now, Matt, I know he used to be a magician. Yeah. So he has great reflexes. He, you know, when he <laughs> caught the phone earlier when it was being thrown, he's got great reflexes. Okay, sleight of hand. All right, I'll give you that. But he's able to catch the gun, mind you, with the hand missing a finger now, which should be just excruciating impossible, and it's still bandaged. So you're not going to have the same amount of feeling. But he catches it, bam, shoots Corbin Burnson. Like spot on. Like Yeah, pow, pow. And then while still dangling from one arm, is able to compose himself and misses a couple of shots with a car, a speeding car driving down the highway at night while he's dangling and is able to pinpoint, shoot the driver, <laughs> drop, land on the hood of the car. God, that he just oh, no, shot. On the roof of the car. Yeah. 
Now, we'll give him props. The line that he says as, as, as the, the rear passenger jumps out, and he just says, nope. Gah, gah. <laughs> no. Caps him twice. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's nice. We're and talking then, about windshield and guns and stuff. Oh, yeah. And then reaches underneath and gah, gah, finish out the guy, the, the, the driver's side. My thought was like, how many bullets does this gun have? That's a good question. I wasn't, I wasn't counting. Remember the John Wick. You got to reload. He was shooting a lot of bullets. Yeah. He didn't have any clips. But I guess it's kind of him making up for his, his roulette mistake earlier. Yeah, that was crazy. Like, that stuff... Like in real life, you held onto a corpse body part like that. It's ripping off what your weight. It's ripping off seriously from the shoulder or from the elbow. It's going down. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're several days in to that body being dead. Well, we assume we're several days in. Maybe maybe the body was dead. No, it, it had to be only a few days because that was mm-hmm. the same. It was the daughter of the guy. That's wild. It's a movie. <laughs> it is a movie. <laughs> yeah, you just suspend all belief. You know what? I'll be honest. I'm, I'm, in this moment right now, I'm like, I don't remember why that girl, why the daughter of the guy was killed. Me neither. I'm confused. I told you I was confused this whole time watching I this thought thing. I had figured that out. But now, in this moment, I'm like, nope, I don't know. I know why I know why the girl who was her doppelganger, I know why she was killed. Mm-hmm. Because she was she was the fill in. She was the person that would that would fill in. I don't know why I don't know why the daughter was initially killed. I know she was in a psych ward. They could have better. They honestly, you know, this pre me too and stuff. They could have better did a better job with the women character development. It just there was not attachment. It was just like they were just objects. No, I like Harmony's character because she no, actually no, takes lead. Like and the like her the sister and then the oh. the other dead girls. Just like we need a little bit more so we can paste this together. What's going on? Yeah, they're just getting killed. <laughs> yeah, suicides and. Yeah, Robert just, you know, taking the pee in his restroom and then there's the dead bodies right there. Like, really? Really? That's what we're doing? Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, that's horrific. And is this comedy? Is this, what is this? Dark comedy. Then he pees on the corpse. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was a cheap laugh right there. For sure. <laughs> but at any rate, hey. Uh, for filmmaking tips, I would say, nah. But if you're just trying to get entertained and watch something, just say you watched it. Hey, this is a movie. Yeah. And again, I think it does oh, clearly warrant a second and maybe now a third watch because I still can't figure out why um, <laughs> one of the uh, characters died in the overall whodunit. Yeah. Um, again, I know why the sister died, why she did commit suicide. And it wasn't as big of a conspiracy as they thought. But I don't, I don't remember why the mm. daughter was killed. I don't, I don't know if she saw something that her father was doing if it had something to do with the fact that her mother had died I was confused money. man I almost didn't care about the story anymore it was just like is he gonna get the part you know <laughs> oh man any rate uh, what are we looking at next time next time we are jumping into the James Cameron directed sequel Alien Yes, indeed. And you can catch us where? At Facebook.com forward slash Filmmaker Commentary. You can also like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes. You can also listen to us through SoundCloud as well as Stitcher Radio. Also, if you know of a film that you would like us to talk about and review, number one, please make sure it has commentary and hit us up on any of those aforementioned channels. If you want to connect with Reginald Titus Jr., you can do so through Twitter, simply at Reggie Titus, or on Instagram at Reginald Titus Jr. 
Also on Instagram, you can find us at Filmmaker Commentary. If you want to connect with me, I am both at Instagram and Twitter, simply at KCGSmith32. Until next time, peace. Respect. Respect.